Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Welcome to the 67th episode of the Independent Advisors Podcast, where Mark McEvely and I, Matthew Jessup, bring you everything you need to know from this past week in the world of the financial markets and financial planning. As you're probably telling by my voice, uh, Mark is unavailable to record the podcast this week. His schedule did not permit, so I am flying solo for the first time. So here we go. As always, we want to take the first few minutes to recap the performance for the month and the year for the major indices that Mark and I track. These numbers are as of the market close of yesterday, October 13th, and this data is from StockCharts.com. I'll start first with the S&P 500 index. Uh, For the month, it's rebounded nicely, up 4.43%, and for the year, it's now up 8.7%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average for the month is up 3.23%, and for the year, it's up a half a percent. The NASDAQ composite for the month rebounding 6.24%, and for the year, a massive 32.22% return. The IWM ETF that tracks the Russell 2000 small cap index for the month rebounding nicely 8.62% positive, and for the year, now only down 0.7%. So right around 1% there negative. Vanguard International ETF X United States for the month is up 3.26%, and for the year it's down 1.88. Three-month T-bill currently sits at 0.11%, the two-year Treasury sits at 0.14%, and the 10-year yield on the U.S. Treasury note is at 0.716%. Um, As usual, um, we're going to start with market news, discuss big news headlines over the past week and current events. So uh, listeners, through Friday's close, the S&P 500 was down just 3% from its record high after falling as much as a little bit over 10%, 10 10.55% from its intraday high on September 2nd to its intraday close on September 24th. So uh, it's nice to see that uh, we had a correction there. And then obviously it came back very strong. Next item I would like to bring up is uh, expectations for some form of additional fiscal stimulus help boosted stocks last week. Yet an agreement on aid is far from assured as on again, off again, Democrats and Republicans continue to debate another fiscal stimulus package. The narrative continues to change almost daily, and I'm skeptical about a deal being reached due to the proximity of the election. We'll see. Uh, Next, coronavirus remained in the news globally, with UK cases up sharply to a record level over the week, uh, the weekend, along with the leaked UK government document revealing a possible three tier lockdown system in England. Uh, Additionally, the Spanish government declared a state of emergency and Italy reported that uh, it had the most cases since March. Definitely something we're keeping an eye on. Next is an update on employment figures. So the improvement in the labor market has clearly slowed as the federal stimulus has waned. Initial jobless claims decreased by 9,000 to 840,000 in the week ended October 3rd. And the four-week moving average has been uh, holding uh, fairly steady. So it is something that uh, you know the Federal Reserve is aware of. And all this does, in my opinion, is it puts more pressure on Congress for some sort of additional fiscal stimulus. 
Um, election day, we're 20 days away. So we're preparing ourselves for further stock market volatility leading up to the election. And lastly, we have a third quarter earnings season kicking off this week with many banks reporting. And listeners, what that means is every quarter, publicly traded companies have to report their earnings. So for July 1st through the end of September, all these publicly traded companies have to tell their shareholders how they did financially. And uh, that tends to kick off right in the middle of October. And again, the banks usually report first, and we're starting to get some of that, uh, that data coming in. Next, I'm going to transition to tweets and research that caught my eye over the past week. <clears throat> I have several. The first is from Argus Research. It's a note from October 9th. The uh, IMF is now forecasting a global uh, recession of 4.9% in 2020 due to the impact of, of COVID-19. Um, prior to the pandemic, the IMF had been forecasting growth of 3.2% for the year. And recent global growth rates include 2.9% in 19, 3.6 in 2018, and 3.7 in 17. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting here. The IMF expects that industrialized nations will decline the fastest and is expecting a GDP drop of 8% for these countries. Emerging markets are not expected to fall as fast, but the IMF still expects a decline of 3%. Only China is expected to grow in 2020. Last point I want to make is the IMF expects a sharp rebound in 2021 and is forecasting global growth of 5.4% with industrialized nations growing 4.8%, emerging markets up 5.9%. And IMF is expecting China and India to lead um, economic growth in 2021. So uh, it's going to be interesting, again, uh, how COVID ends up uh, um, uh, progressing, uh, treatments, vaccines, etc. But um, IMF is uh, expecting a global economic rebound in 2021. The next piece of research I have is from uh, a blog called uh, Macro Charts and uh, can be found at macrocharts.blog. Uh, it's run by a 25-year uh, trading veteran, and he had a, a tweet from October 7th, and he commented, <clears throat> a massive 40% of S&P 500 index stocks are still down 20% from their highs. And he said that this gauge uh, peaked in June. It's not just a narrow market. It's one of the weakest in history. And it's interesting. I wanted to bring this up to listeners because this, in my opinion, just solidifies that COVID has disproportionately benefited large size companies. And I think that's why you're seeing um, the move in the S&P so narrow, meaning the companies that are really doing good is, um, is a handful. And I disbelieve that COVID has disproportionately benefited some of these large size companies. And this kind of goes back to my comment about this being a stock pickers market. And, you know, if you're a good active manager, this is an environment, in my opinion, where you should be thriving. Um, to build on this, uh, there was a, a piece of research from BTN Research this past week. And the title of the note was really good and really bad. It says, as as of the close of the stock market trading on Wednesday, September 30th, 13 individual stocks within the S&P 500 index were up at least 50% year to date, 
while 34 of those stocks were down at least 50% year to date. The return measure was based upon the change of the individual stock price over a nine month period and does not include any reinvested dividends. So again, in my opinion, this is a stock picker's market where I think the indices could struggle and where good active managers have the ability to outperform. Again, just my opinion. All right, next I would like to give an update on, uh, on money markets. This is from the Investment Company Institute on October 5th. <clears throat> Since the beginning of 2020, the size of money market funds, the industry here in the US, both taxable and tax-free, has grown from 3.6 trillion as of the first of the year to 4.4 trillion as of the end of September. That's a massive increase of 770 billion or about 20 billion a week. So in my opinion, post-election, once we have some certainty, I think a portion of this money won't stand for a 0% rate of return, and it's gonna find its way back into the market. One of the biggest tailwinds, in my opinion, that Wall Street is not talking about. Okay, I got three more uh, pieces of research uh, tweets I'd like to share. Next is from BMO Global Research. The note is from October 4th. The highest marginal tax rate for state income taxes in the state of New Jersey in 2019 was 10.75%, and that's effective on uh, taxable income levels above 5 million. Now, as of September 24th of this year, uh, New Jersey state legislators uh, lower the threshold when the top rate of 10.75 comes into play uh, of incomes over 1 million now. The change is expected to raise an additional 390 million per year of tax revenue. <clears throat> My comment is this. I think you're going to continue to see wealthy, especially as they retire, move to more tax-friendly states such as Florida. And I think it's going to put more strain on the budgets uh, for some of these um, high-tax states like New Jersey and uh, in New York, uh, Connecticut, and just uh, a comment I'm throwing out there. All right, two more pieces of research. Next is from uh, Ryan uh, Dedrick. He's the chief market strategist at LPL. He tweeted this on um, October 4th. He said, after JFK was assassinated in November of 63, the S&P went up eight consecutive months. This is one of the longest monthly win streaks ever. It does not always have to make sense. So that was his tweet. And I think it's a good reminder of, um, of the market. And we would usually say at this point, um, you know, the stock market's not the economy and the economy's not the stock market. I guarantee if Mark was present in this room, he would say that right now. And um, I think it's, just, it's a good reminder that sometimes, you know, the, the market is going to go opposite and be very forward looking. And I think the market kind of looking at that IMF data from earlier is being forward looking and kind of where things are going to be next year, not where they're at right now. Just throwing that out there. And then the last thing I have for you listeners this week is in regards to the four-year presidential cycle and how stocks perform, okay? This is also from BTN Research over this past week, and I'll read this to you. It says, quote, based upon performance data from 1936 to 2019, the S&P 500 has averaged 6.7% per year. That's a total return. During the first year of the four-year uh, presidential term, um, that was 6.7. Um, During the second year, 8.7% per year. Third year, 
18.5, and then the fourth year, 9.4%. So next year in 2021, it's going to be year number one of the second term of the, of the um, Trump administration, or it's obviously going to be the first year term for Biden, depending upon who wins. And as a reminder, the S&P 500 index consists of 500 stocks chosen for market size, liquidity, and industry group representation. It's a market value-weighted index with each stock's weighting in the index proportional to its market value. And again, that piece of research was from BTN. Um, lastly for the week, um, we're cruising a little bit with the lack of banter between Mark and I. Uh, I'm going to be covering what I call the financial planning topic of the week. Uh, this one I got from uh, Braver Capital Management on October 9th. The uh, title or what I'm going to cover this week is uh, Medicare coverage. Okay, so Medicare, that's the federal health insurance coverage for people 65 and older here in the U.S. It's a pivotal part of uh, individuals retirement plans. Now, with the annual election period or AEP approaching, now this runs from October 15th through December 7th. Medicare recipients must decide whether to make changes to their plan or not. But consumers be aware, the devil's in the details. Braver talks about their four key things to know about Medicare's annual election period. First, let's start with the AEP basics. This two-month window enables anyone already enrolled in Medicare to change their supplemental coverage. While the term, quote, open enrollment, end quote, indicates that this period is open to anyone who's eligible for Medicare, that's not the case. If you've just turned 65 and are ready to sign up for coverage, there's a separate process called the Initial Enrollment Period, or IEP, which we'll cover in a future post, they say. Next is understanding your current coverage. It's important to know a little bit about your existing benefits before you consider a switch. For instance, Medicare Part A and B, commonly referred to as the original Medicare, offers basic coverage that is in the same uh, that is the same for everyone. And so broadly speaking, Part A covers hospitalization, Part B covers outpatient cost. After that, you'll need supplemental coverage to ensure you have adequate health care throughout your retirement. You can bridge the gaps in original Medicare by enrolling in Part C also called a Medicare Advantage, or sometimes called a Medigap policy. And those are supplemental policies administered by private insurance companies. You can also opt in to access Part D. That's the Medicare Prescription Drug Benefit. The AEP allows you to choose these supplemental coverage options as your health needs change. Okay. Now let's talk about what you can and can't change. So the AEP allows you to switch from original Medicare to Medicare Advantage, switch from Medicare Advantage to original Medicare, switch from one Medicare Advantage plan to another, and enroll in Part D prescription coverage or change or drop the prescription plan. Now, if you move to original Medicare from Medicare Advantage plan, you'll also be eligible to enroll in a Medigap plan. However, be aware that you won't have guaranteed entry into Medigap when you switch from Medicare Advantage. You will need to apply through a traditional insurance underwriting process and or accept a higher premium based upon your health status. And the fourth and final item is consider your options. 
To make fully informed decisions about supplemental Medicare uh, plans, you need to objectively assess your needs. The cost of Medicare Advantage and Part D plans often change annually, so it pays to maintain a list of your regular prescriptions to make comparison shopping easier. If you can, project what your medical cost might look like over the next year to decide if you should switch plans. So that's the part, listeners, I kind of wanted to cover were those four options. Um, we don't specialize in these type of, uh, you know, Medicare supplemental coverages, but we do have a firm that we regularly refer uh, that type of guidance to. Uh, and so if you would like any assistance in, uh, in, a, in a good referral, feel free to reach out to me. It's Matthew at JessupWealthManagement.com, and um, we will get you that information. We have no questions this week from listeners. Uh, I want to encourage all of you to continue to send these questions. Uh, historically, when you do, we get follow-up emails uh, in regards to, hey, I was thinking that, I didn't ask the question, so continue to do that. If you're thinking of a question, most likely another listener is. Um, again, we're going to continue to uh, stay busy here over the next couple of weeks with third quarter earnings. We have the election in less than uh, three weeks coming up. So I want to thank you all for listening to the 67th episode of the Independent Advisors podcast. Uh, Mark will be returning with me next week for the usual banter between the two of us. And I hope all of you have a great rest of the week and take care. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. And also check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealthmanagement.com. Here you'll find links to every episode of the Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words, questions, and topics in the subject line to mark at jessupwealthmanagement.com, and we'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. Past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor.